Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Today, James Pozzanel of Horse Shack Games joins me. He does freelance work for Goodman Games, and he keeps that house system close to his heart. We talk about his upcoming game, Netcrawl, and we ramble a bit. I have a Patreon that play, it plays. It plays. No, it pays for my Zoom subscription. If you have some extra shekels to bring a hole in your pocket, feel free to follow the link then. Support this show. Submission is to go. Time to jack in. Sisters and brothers, it is time to get rambling. Hello, James. Hello, Jeff. What's happening? What is happening? I don't know. It seems like a lot of things are going on. It sounds like you got some things going on, too. That that may be true. It's our first time meeting. That's been... Uh... So that should be noted. Yeah, and it's kind of interesting where you you know your your only knowledge of a person is based on a tiny thumbnail on Twitter. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's it's funny, you know. It, it, and I had certain expect um, you know expectations, uh, and and I I didn't I've never met you before, so I kind of thought maybe you were going to be younger and uh, probably a little bit more like, uh, was it Nick Bain? Um, I don't even know who that is. So but anyway, he, uh, he, 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 I can almost imagine punk rocker kind of vibe. Well, that's, that's not far off the mark. Just the young part's not true. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I, I, we meet face to face. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Cause, you know, you ran, you run in circles of people I've interviewed, which is kind of fun. Right. And so you've had experience with a lot of these people that are actually a lot of fun to deal with. So, and it's just kind of funny that, uh, not funny, but it's kind of great that you reached out to say, Hey, I want to come on. Yeah. I wanted to come on. I, I like you said, I'm working on some stuff and, uh, I've done this a, f- a few years and I was like, I should really like try to meet people and talk to them and um, and get out in front of as many people as I can before I launch the product, you know, the project. Words of wisdom, words of wisdom. <laughs> it's really it's hard to, to do that, right? Like in your head, you're just like, I'm, it's, I'm a nobody. And why am I bothering this? Like when I messaged you and said, can I come on your show? I was just, you know, you feel like a dork for doing that in a certain sense. Or at least yeah, I because do. even though I have my podcast, I have a hard time doing the same for other people's podcasts when I think I need to promote my books. So I feel the same right. way. <laughs> but the secret is for me. I don't know about anybody else. But part of it is because I do a weekly podcast. And, um, and I don't really plan that much that far ahead of who to invite. And that if somebody pushes themselves, it's easier for me trying to figure somebody to pull in. So it's, it takes a lot less mental effort. So just, hey, can I come on your podcast? Be like, sure. <laughs> it's like, that's easy. <laughs> You've made this much easier for myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a funny thing. I think over the past like few years, I've learned that asking, it never hurts to ask. I think that's one of the... The, my takeaways in the past 
five years of, of doing this is like, don't be afraid to ask people to do stuff. They, the worst that can happen is they still know. They'll well, no. I think, you know, we look at the hobby we're involved in. So uh, when I say the hobby, I don't mean RPGs, but I mean uh, being uh, producers and creators in the RPG uh, hobby and being maybe like my, I call micro publishers. Right. I mean, we're all kind of in the same boat together. Yeah. We, we kind of, we are right. We're all just kind of um, got things we want to get out right of our heads. And um, we're only uh, all too pleased, right. If somebody happens to to like the stuff or, or, or say a kind word even, right. Like I like that or, it, to me, it's, it's we're not. It's not a zero sum game. What we're in, even though maybe kind of is, but like people buying from you doesn't mean that people aren't buying from me. It, I mean, there's no sense of you know competition. I think that I've ever really have come across. No, no, definitely not. Like we're just doing our thing, and if you enjoy what's what's coming out of my head, then I'm I'm happy, and if you enjoy what's coming out of Jeff's head or Don's head or whoever's head, be happy, right? That's that's what it's all about. It's just being um buying stuff that you can use at a table, you know, at your table. Yeah, I think it is. And I think also for us too, it's like it, it also seems like everybody's been very helpful um too um in sharing information. Yeah. It's it's you know, w- what we're you know doing from this side of the you know the, of the product it's very complicated and there's not a lot of guidelines to doing what we do. Yeah. It's like a crash course, a self-taught DIY, you know, experience. (laughs) Yes. Only crazy hyper-focused people do this kind of stuff. (laughs) Definitely crazy. (laughs) Save yourself a lot of trouble, kids. Don't get into this. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I've mentioned before, it's like, you know, if you actually look at the amount of time and energy put in in an hourly rate, we're probably, you know, well, 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 well below minimum wage. But. Right. Right. But we do it for the love. The love we do. It. We do. And uh, it's just, uh, but anyway, it's been, uh, it's just kind of funny. It's kind of funny that, you know, the, the industry is small enough, I might say industry. Um, but what we're doing is still small enough that when you start on a handful of people, it seems like the connections start start becoming very apparent among a lot of different people. So yeah, just after talking to you, it's like how many people you've you've mentioned working with or doing stuff with or hanging out with, which I'm jealous. Um, it's like, it's why can't time. I live in Michigan and why can't I live in Dallas? And well, come on by. I live in Cincinnati. It's not, it's not so hard to move away. Yeah, well, it is for me, but uh, I maybe I can try and bring the culture to to Peoria, Illinois. I don't know. Peoria, Illinois. Okay. Yeah. Can't even say where that is. Well, all I can say is it's a, a couple hours south and west of Chicago. South and west. Is there a university there? There's Bradley. Okay. And University of Illinois is probably an hour and a half away. Okay. Um. The the thing we're probably most famous for is the saying about playing in Peoria. It plays in Peoria. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, we were 
so back in the day, this was a so pure as a test market. It right. was, used to be well, it used to be a huge test. Market. I don't think it is anymore. And so even like um, the video game companies back in the eighties, there's huge uh, video arcades, and this was I think one of the areas that wow. this was things were tested out, and not necessarily high tech stuff, but I mean it was we were definitely were a, a means of measuring uh, the temperature of the quote unquote common Midwesterner. Right. You're right. Kind of a crossroadsy, you know, like the, 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 the farm farm belts, not too far away. And you have all the, all the uh, traditional, you know, Northwest territories kind of state there too. The Rust yeah. Belt. Yeah. And, um, and I think, it, but things have changed. Demographics change. Uh, the world's changed. So now we're just um, a small city in the middle of not much. Gotcha. Not enough to draw uh, the the interest of uh, of of uh, indie game designers to come flocking here. <laughs> right. Why aren't they testing out the latest version of uh, you know Grand Theft Auto over there? I, yeah, I know. If only. But anyway, <laughs> so. It is kind of interesting, like say the circles. Do you do you go to any of the conventions? Yeah, I get to a few. Uh, there's a local, of course, here in Michigan, and in, in it's in Ypsilanti, which is right next to Ann Arbor, which is where well, I live. Well, um, Don sent a thing out about that, and I kind of thought about it for for a minute. It's good, you know, early late late fall con, you know, usually November, sometimes in October. Sometimes we'll overlap with game hole, um, but usually not. And so it's always kind of a talk. Well, I want to go to game hole, but uh, there's always, you know, Yukon's, you know, 30, 30 miles away or not even that. So kind of an easy choice to make is to go to Yukon. Yeah. There's a guy I know in, in Canada who's annoyed that there's really no great direct flight. And uh, if it wasn't for Lake Michigan, the drive wouldn't be so bad. I know. That's the other <laughs> con I go to is, is I've been going to Gary Con the past yeah. few times that they've had it in person. And I always think to my it's in it's in March, uh, which always is disappointing because if it wasn't in March, I could take the ferry from like Muskegon over to Milwaukee and then drive the rest of the way to Gary Con. So how long how long and how much is the ferry? It is not cheap uh so that is also like a factor it's like oh yeah and then all of a sudden i've got an extra can't remember how much it is take a car across uh maybe like 300 bucks or something but you bypass chicago just to bypass chicago could be worth it yes (laughs) the tolls those toll roads avoid those just take the ferry across yeah but man you hit that you hit that gary indiana southern chicago at the wrong times, it's, it's oh bad. man, it's brutal. But if you take the ferry, you can do some fishing along the way. You can just like sit there. I think you sit in your car. I'm pretty sure. Or I can't. There might be like a a, a a deck you can go to and drink or whatever. So I think you know it should be like at least some camaraderie on the ride, like tailgating. Yeah, kind of like tailgating. Maybe. I want to do it. It's been kind of on the bucket list. I'd like to go across the lake michigan on the ferry yeah because i mean really the my understanding which isn't great but those waters are have in the past been pretty treacherous yes 
And so I imagine it's probably the time of year probably does determine whether it it turns a nice voyage or uh, you're throwing up while going pitching along the waves. Yes. I I remember going out there on like a, what was it? It was a big sailboat. But that was like, you know, you're up and down on those waves. You know, it's just like, whoa, this is not fun. Was it the uh, Edmund Fitzgerald uh, on Lake Michigan? Superior. Superior, okay. Even worse. <laughs> Super cold. <laughs> but you have a lot of cod. The, um, yeah. In fact, that's what I think we kept, uh, that's was a lot of fishing went on there, right? For quite a yes. long time. Yeah, of course. Even today, you know. But I don't know, is there commercial fishing going on in Michigan? Lake Michigan? Commercial fishing? Probably some to a certain degree. Um, we would, you know, we go up to the UP and we'll stay, you know, not, it's not too far away from the bridge. Um, and then, but the, the fishermen come in and they sell like brown trout or they sell um, white fish um, to like a local market. And you get it like for $5 a pound, $7 a pound, something like that. Super cheap. Just caught that day. Yeah, we're we're, in, we're located well within of nothing being fresh uh, that day. <laughs> I spent some time in uh, in Belfast uh, last year, and, and they have a, a market uh, on the weekends, and uh, yeah, they had all that fresh fish. It's just like amazingly cheap. Yeah, uh, but uh, but alas, I all I had was a small hotel room. So yeah, kind of crazy. So you got uh, you got a project that you are working on, yes. Netcrawl, yes, yeah. So Netcrawl is um, I kept on looking for this this system that would allow me to run like a, a game uh, a session inside the computer. Like everybody kind of goes in and they play inside like a cyber dungeon, and it, and like. You know what are you going to do when you're in a computer? You're trying to find information. So this is like uh, cyberpunk adjacent, right? Or maybe like a gamma world adjacent game, right? Because computers were around, or computers are around, and uh, they hold information, right? And and so every some some game, some sort of system, some sort of setting that would allow me to do that, like in MCC specifically in Mutant Crawl Classic, and. I don't know. I've been looking. Do you know of any games like that? Because I still haven't found one. There's like flavors of it or like uh, dipping your toe in it a little bit. Like Cyberpunk does it a teeny tiny bit. So what are you... Okay, this is interesting. So you're asking what would be a good system to have the mechanics for, for doing what exactly would be the core activities? The core activity would be um, there's something inside the computer, some sort of information. We can, do, we can do skill checks for that, right, today in lots of systems, right? People have a skill. They're a specialist. They can roll on a die 20 or a percent of the dice. But that always leaves uh, the rest of the party just sitting there. And I think that, that, that um, mechanic works as long as uh, it doesn't take a half an hour to play it out, right? To, to get to inside the computer and get the information. Um, if, if that doesn't take a long time, then I guess that's fine. But 
I wanted something that was immersive, like a virtual reality type thing where you transition from your meat space game into something inside of a computer, like a virtual reality, and you have some sort of mission to fulfill. And, and, and the only way that works, I think, this, this is my hypothesis, is that everybody goes in to a computer to do the work, to, to, to adventure to the location, to the server, or wherever the information is, and find it and, and, and get it back out. Because otherwise, in like a cyberpunk game, if the net runner's got to net run the net, everybody's like, you know, it's time for a smoke break because this is going to take, I don't know, 15 minutes or 30 minutes to resolve uh, the hacker hacking the, the mainframe to get the information. Unless in, in you abstract things out more. Right. And so the if the hacking is no different than a lot of other things that you do, maybe including combat, um, it, it shouldn't take much more time. But I think but to actually get to feel like you're breaking through the ice, you're making these choices, and you've got all the. I think the more you go into the the into like the um, I don't know a good term like hardware porn kind of stuff. Like the sure. more you get into that, the more complex it is, the more difficult it is. But the more it's just abstracted, like yep. opening a door or whatever, I think it becomes easier. It just depends right. that that experience that a person's wanting. Right. Yeah. And so like the experience I wanted was like more, a little more abstract, but still like uh, um, you, you, you're inside this new world essentially. And, and you have a new, you have a mission that's got to be fulfilled inside of here. And you might go out back into to the reality afterwards, or um, maybe your whole game that you want to play is just inside of a computer, right? So, like Tron. So is right? the idea that the the whatever you're trying to do, the missions you would do, it would vary up the kind of worlds that you would experience? Yeah. Yeah, each each uh, each adventure could be essentially different, right? Each each experience inside the the network inside the computer space or whatever it could be completely separate different um, so you've abstracted the the actual net running into a, a a like an adventure yep yep and everybody just kind of can go in and do it so there's you know you could run a program like not you, but a program that's specialized for the environment. So there's five classes in in the in that crawl, or you could still just run as, um, you know, uh, Grok the Sentinel from from uh, an MCC, you know, you know, game, right? As I'm just a Sentinel, I've, I've got maybe your weapons are kind of also transferred with you into the into the virtual realms. Or you're a shaman, or you're inside, you know, cyberpunk. You could just be there's the guy who's a hacker and he's here, he's got all his skills, but also the street samurais with them, and also, you know, all these characters, all these different kind of archetypes. So, does the setting that they're in change, but their, but their, uh, but their archetypes stay the same? Uh, it could, no, that's an interesting point. Like the, the guy who's running a street samurai, you know, uh, 
could also could just decide that he wants to run like a caster while he's inside the net. It's just a character. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's no no rules as far as like what you want to do inside there. You just have to kind of pick what your persona is. It could be you. It could be something else. It doesn't matter. And I guess really with that kind of conceit, and since you're dealing with uh, things that are uh, online in nature, you could do like a like a uh, West Marches, where people are just gathering, and uh, it can be from anywhere because it could just be you know this is a. Have you ever played Dice Heist? No. It's a very fun D6 game. It's very quick, but the idea is you can try and roll to to get things, or you could take a D6, and those D6s equal henchmen that you've you've accumulated. And you don't have to use them, but when you do use them for success, the ones that were used for that roll all go away. Okay. But the idea is they got the payoff and they leave. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is kind of similar kind of thing. You could, you could just have the same party, or you could theoretically just say, hey, we got a mission. I got to know where there's some stuff at. I know a guy. Yeah. In in he you know, he could be in Singapore, he could be in Nairobi, or he could be in uh Boise, Idaho. Right, right. Yeah. And um I don't know if this is interesting to people or not, but like computers run super fast, right? They do, you know, millions of calculations per second, per micro, you know, millisecond. Um so if that's true, could you have um a virtual reality game or, or session, essentially a whole episode of your, of your, of your campaign take place inside of a computer, but it only takes like 10 minutes in the real world. Well, if you can speed up your consciousness. Right. And maybe there's drugs for that. Maybe there is drugs for that. But to have everybody jack in, do something in the span of like a turn and then be able to come out and kind of pick up right where you left off of. Or maybe we do, as you said, a time limit. Sure. And But you can increase the time limit by taking these drugs. But by taking these drugs, yes, there's nothing better than to put things to your players that they willingly will do to potentially ruin their characters. And they do it willingly. They want to do it. And you say, you I know, like it. If you do this drug, you get an extra 10 turns this adventure, which may help you get this heist done in time. I like it. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think there's a lot of um there's a lot you can do to play with like worlds within worlds and 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 time and all sorts of stuff, all and and, and you don't really have to like take a break from your campaign, as it were, to to do it. Like, oh, we're gonna play a new game now. No, we're still in the same game. Your same characters are here, or or they're kind of off stage for for a minute, but they're now interacting in this different you know place. So this also could be like Westworld. Um, sure. So you could just be Old West. Oh yeah, it could be. The, you know. It's riffs, basically. I hate to say that, but you basically have the ability to do anything you want because the computers can do can do that for you. I was thinking, like, you know, can you do like, like Breaking Bad, where you tell things a different way, sure, or a telenovela? 
Could you imagine like you're in the middle of a cyberpunk campaign and then you're doing a telenovela for like (laughs) three sessions or something? You gotta get the you gotta be able to seduce this person so many rounds in order for this to work. (laughs) That'd be a trip though, you know? Well, that's fun. So 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 you are using DCC and you're using that for the, the, the mechanical framework for resolution. Yeah. Yeah. I well, you know, at the moment I'm a freelance, you know, writer for for Gibbon Games. So I've been turning out a bunch of stuff for them. And I really do like the system. And um I've got lots of other stuff that are written in the same system that kind of uh are adjacent to Netcrawl. So it's like, do I want to just start over? God, no. Um there's already, you know, so many game systems and and, and all that other stuff. I was just like, I couldn't imagine. Like, first of all, deciding that I'm going to write a new setting because it doesn't exist, or it's it's not exactly what I, I want to see, um, or or that I have seen. Uh, that's a step that I never thought I would take. And then to also say I'm going to write my own mechanic system is, in addition to all that, that's just like, that's that's a hard path. Yeah, well, you can use pre-existing ones. There's a number of systems that are out there. Sure. But I think the problem is that, uh, like, for instance, I think if it were me and it was, um, you know, I, I think I would go with uh, with Cortex Plus, except I don't think anybody's playing it anymore. <laughs> and, and I don't think they have a, an SRD uh, available. And uh, and it's it's going to be an epic battle, but I think as far as playing that kind of conceptual game, it would sing. But it's just, but you're not going to sell that many, so no, it's going to be sad. So I think by doing something that's established and with Goodman Games, you know, one is you have a good community that supports people doing stuff, right? But you also have uh, uh, Joseph Goodman, who will also buy. Yep. a certain number of copies. Yep. Um, so you can at least, you know, as long as you find, you can at least figure you can break even unless, unless you go crazy on your, on your budget. Right. And there's like a lot of genre, like cross, cross genre or like multi-genre. Like there's already, the community is always, is just super deep in exploring all the corners, right. Of kind of the gaming genres already. Yeah. Even superheroes now. Yeah, they got superheroes, got Gam World, got Old West, Weird West. You got, you know, this is the list goes on and on and on. You know, every, it seems like every year somebody's putting out some kind of like at least a fledgling setting inside the DCC, you know, system. And I think it's kind of interesting. On on one hand, you know, people can make the argument it's like you know, you know, chain trying to force systems sometimes into things they weren't originally ran for sometimes is fraught. But I think on the other hand, it, it forces, um, it can develop a new way of thinking about things. And uh, there's a lot of benefit uh, to those activities. Yeah. And I think DCC hits a really good sweet spot in um, providing stru- a structure and not a lot of like rules. Right. So there's, it, it covers the basics well enough that you are kind of, you can fiddle around with the mechanics. You can do experiments inside of 
of what is quote unquote the rules and just kind of expand it however you feel however you see fit yeah because i had the guy who did the the superheroes i forget his name now on um but he was enamored with the dice chain and thought it was an underutilized mechanic so it's like so you have these opportunities for mechanics that are in the in the system already baked in yeah. and then all you're going to do is kind of uh, is put it more in the forefront and not really have to write anything new but be able to, to utilize what's there in a way that is gives the feel for what you need yeah yeah um i, I think you know the, the genius of the book is it's 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 comprehensive you know in in how it covers the material the the idea of an rpg but doesn't like uh put a bunch of manacles around you when you use it yeah it's uh and it and i think it's it's against well loved by so many people so there's you know it seems it, it seems like say supportive wise it, it makes a lot of sense especially with being very very familiar with the system yeah I think you know going into uh, DCC, it's like you know no matter what my experience is to write for anything for DCC was is pretty. Um, yeah, I definitely want somebody who knows what they're doing to to edit it because it is its own thing. Um, it is its own thing. There are, are great things to leverage, and if you if you fail to leverage it, you know it, it'll still work, but. Uh, well, like for instance, are are great. I thought about like weren't taking a Lankmar um, module and then Adventure and then using it for another system, and then they 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 did stuff like they made a a a uh, lock impossible basically to pick, which is a absolute terrible thing to do. Um, except you don't want something that when you roll and you fail, the venture stops. But right. it was an introductory adventure. You can start doing, you can start burning luck and, and burning right. stats, which is integral for part two, DCC. Yep. And then you're like, ooh, this, what they're doing here does not port well. Right. Like you'd have to definitely, like, you may not even, that, that was written for introductory to teach people how to use that. You'd have to change so much just to make it even a, well, you wouldn't even necessarily want to put it in there like that at all right. uh, elsewhere. And you have to think how you'd want to handle that differently. Yeah, for sure. Right. There's definitely some parts that don't, that, that won't translate back out. Like you could get, you could get stuff in pretty easily. Yes. But getting it back out is hard. Because <laughs> yes. the, the ability to burn stats and burn lock and all that, that, that stuff is, so what I, what I love about it is again it it, it it's a it is a, a way for because the dice are swingy yeah and it's very not fun at times but if you want it bad enough yeah you can erode your character yes. to to get a success that's true but it's, it's up to you nobody's forcing you to do that that's but it's true. always there on the table <laughs> I, and I, and I think. If if it, it does end at that point, right? Like you're saying, like it's just this this point where like the adventure can't go forward. Yeah. Um, well, it's a chance to kind of redesign it if you if you take it back out to right. If you if you do want to take it to another system, then why? Like, you, but the point was again is like the whole point was to do this thing, and if right. you don't do that thing, then like you know you know, having a lock there in my mind, you'd have to have 
if it's a possible if it's possible for somebody to 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 fail a lockpick roll, you need to have other ways of getting in it. Yeah. Besides lockpicking or have a way of getting it, but now it's at a some some sort of cost, whatever that may be. Right. So like for instance, I think like secret doors, I haven't done a lot, but I think one fun way is if you have a secret door and um and somebody fails to find it or fails to open it, just have a random encounter come walking through the door and attack them. So they still get it. They fail. There's a cost to failure, gotcha. but they still get the secret door. Yeah, that makes sense. But uh, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of hard to think. So, so, but anyway, that's the tricky thing. I think it, it's easy to think things are the same, but there's a lot of really, a lot of, nuggety things that that are good stuff that joseph baked into the system um that are really pretty smart and even the dice chain i've not played that much dcc very i only play at conventions but the stuff is just a lot of fun to play yeah i've been thinking about brunette crawl that and i played around with it in a couple patreon posts and and some of the work you know that kind of in the book like I want to get, like I don't want it limited to DCC world. Like I love DCC. I love what that what that all that that's brought to the table by that system. But I would love it if like um, mother if you were in mothership and then you know for some reason you've got to interact with this horrifying computer ship computer at the end or or something like that where everybody kind of goes in. Or, or interacts in a digital space rather than than in, in the meat space, or you know things like Gamma World, right? That's not um, it's 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 adjacent ish, uh, and probably not too hard to transfer between kind of it was a Thaco system, wasn't it? The first edition, and 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 DCC. I don't think that would be too hard, um, but I, I really think that I want it to be. I want a toolkit around a uh, net crawl that you can kind of transfer your characters in, I guess, and also go back out. The hard part is, I think the, the key to mothership is probably, uh, and I may be misspeaking. So I'll just, just me as I think it is, is they have, I think a stress and a, like a horror mechanic. Yeah. And so that's the hard part of porting that in is those are two mechanics that could work very well within within that crawl, but they're, they don't necessarily have a, anything quite comparable, I think with, with DCC. Right. Yeah. Well, anytime you were going to port systems, there's going to be some work I can give you, I can get you part the way there. Right. But I probably can't solve every problem in every system. No, I think, yeah, I, I think that's where it it becomes it's where it becomes hard to be system neutral unless you're dealing with this. It's like I think you can be like system neutral for like D and D adjacent stuff, but it's hard to then go jump into other streams as well. Yeah, certainly learning a few things along the way. Like I've avoided this so far. Like. I think well, I've done one conversion of to Troikia from from DCC and or House of the Red Doors, and I've never really felt like it was. I mean, it was fun. It was a fun experience to kind of learn that system and play around with it and translate an adventure into it. 
again, the fantasy adjacent, right? It's easier to kind of um, deal with that because the, 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 it's the same kind of situations. You know, it's not, not like computer hacking. Um, and so I've never done it with another, another one of my games ever, or, you know, adventures or supplements or anything. Like when OSE came out, I was like, oh, I should do some stuff in there. I was like, I ain't got time for that. Yeah, so I've I've looked through an adventure somebody wrote for a for a um uh for convention play, and I it was a I the stuff they had was kind of conversion from fifth edition, mm. but it's like all the the characters the, the characters that that you hand out they were all uh, at max hit points. The um, it's like <laughs> there's a lot, there's a lot of things. This is like that's not generally what the OSE experience is is right. to have. Yeah, it's like it's it's usually the opposite, right? And I've I got, think that I got a hit point. Yeah, so somebody's wanted to highlight their setting and the cool things about their setting, and they want the people playing to be able to go through that 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 ride, so to speak, and see all those touch points. But they also beat them up to make sure that they could. But but I look back at a lot of their conversions, even for their book. It's like they have uh, certain monsters having a, the state um, about grappling. Now there's no grappling rules in OSC. <laughs> Here in an OSC supplement, they talk about using grappling for the monsters. I'm like, I don't think you really, you know, happens. <laughs> well, it can happen, but there's no guidelines yeah. for it. You it's can't just say totally different. this happens and you're grappled. What does that mean? Because right. you better define grappled because the books don't define grappled. Right. Right. Um, no doubt. I was on the Dungeon Denizens project for, for Goodman Games, and that was kind of like um requires a mind twist as well. You get this fifth, you know, fifth edition monster, and you're thinking like, okay, um, you know, they're really big into you know monster stat blocks are you know various protections and immunities and 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 all, all damage resistances and all this other stuff and and um and also like damage types everything's got to be typed yeah 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 and 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 then the, the advice you get kind of from your developer at, at on the dcc side of the house it's like forget all that crap yeah you can say something about fire, but you don't have to like label everything that's fire type damage or you know acid damage or all this other stuff. Forget about all that. And I think the other thing too is like the stats. They stat all the monsters out in fifth edition, and like don't 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 worry about that stuff. Just kind of remember they have uh, typically higher ACs in DCC, and they have lower lower hit points. I think that's kind of how it goes. But uh, so it's just like you. You need to put some thought into the conversion. It's not just like, oh, everything works exactly as as you might think it does when you go from system to system, right? No. And, and the and the experiences are so like, for instance, that the lower armor class and higher hit points gives people more satisfaction of hitting more often. The right. toughens up the creatures, right? But when you right. start saying your characters have low hit points <laughs> and every every hit will kill you, one hit can kill you even up to probably third level. Uh, then you you your your method of play is a lot different than it is with OSE than it is with fifth edition. Right. You right. hire henchmen. <laughs> as many as your charisma will allow you and as much money as you got. So you go in the 
dungeon with 18 people. <laughs> a blade of people armor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so it's rather than being a heroic person going in, uh, you're you're actually being a you start a business and you you're doing the actuarial tables and you're figuring out, okay. This place seems pretty I... dangerous. We're gonna need <laughs> at least twice the henchmen as we had last time. <laughs> and so the and so what that does is it turns OSE into a that becomes a mini game. So it's you know, you got this little uh, management of of NPCs that you're you're hiring. Uh so and it's not better or worse. It's just it's just it's just a it's you know to blindly go in and change think it's the same. It it it, it isn't. It feels different. And right. uh, whichever yeah, direction funny. you go into. Isn't that funny though? It, it it's its own mini game. <laughs> yes. Right. <laughs> and like maybe stats in DCC is its own mini game. Right? You're playing with um this resource, yeah, character stats, and that's the mini game. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, those those little mini games are fun. I mean, it and everybody has them. Sometimes it's just character creation for some is is the mini game. But um but um anyway, it's just uh it it's funny because we do we do come to those differences for experiences and those mechanics should support those those experiences. Mm. Yeah, no doubt. And I know people have gone from fifth edition style to old school essentials and not like it. <laughs> it's right. like I'm dead. What I have to get make a new one again? Yes. <laughs> well, I like this guy. <laughs> it's like it's it's pretty crazy. Here's my one page backstory. Yeah. If, fact, yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah, they were like they were I'm actually using, um, have you ever played, uh, I only ran one episode session of it so far, but the, uh, have you run Cities Without Number or, or Stars Without Number? No, I've paged through, I think, Stars Without Number. So you have even fewer hit points than you do with, uh, than you do with Old School Essential. So you start with a D6 at best. And so, <laughs> so somebody swinging a D8 sword all of a sudden just becomes very ugly or D10. It's like... <laughs> Well, first level, easy. like yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess as long as it's easy to make a character, then <laughs> as long as it's you know that's the the thing. Especially if you do not so much with the um, not so much with the uh, cities without number, but the different old school essentials. There's probably a lot of generators out there. You can just keep hitting the button, right? Right. So, well, so what things? Classes, there are oh, a lot of like. There's a lot of what? There's a lot of classes in OSE, and it keeps kind of growing, like even since like a you know the advanced fantasy or whatever yeah i think that, like everyone's piling on in that space well i think the the i could be wrong i think the advance was mainly uh to make it align with uh advanced dungeons and dragons right and be able to play some other races or species right. whatever they call them uh for old school essentials yeah i mean it, it is kind of interesting the bare bones but then the still adding on of stuff but I think they've kind of kept a lot of that creep from being going t too far. At least at the official level, right? There's tons of people writing supplements. Yeah, but that's that's our nature. Yeah, I guess that's because <laughs> I yeah I got friends that the planar crumpus and they're just you know they're doing you know interdimensional kind of uh, oddness. So they're adding you know mentalist abilities and 
all sorts of other stuff, but I don't know. Got to get it out on paper, right? We, <laughs> it is kind of strange that, 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 that it's almost to me, almost like a, 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 a I'll say vision quest, but the, yeah, I just, I got to do this. I got this idea in my head. I got to do it. Got to happen. Yeah. I don't know why until I get it out. It's not, it's not going to leave me alone. <laughs> so true. It's like, <laughs> it is strange. I used to, it's, it's not always pleasant. I don't know. Maybe for you, it's pleasant. I don't know. I find it sometimes just, uh, I think I like it. I think I like, I try, I think everybody's different on how they approach kind of like adding on to systems. But I, I, I like to think that I, I try not to mess around with the core too much. Like in the supplements that I have yeah. over the years. But as far as not mean not just supplements, but just there's an idea that you have and it's got to come out. Oh, well, yes. Um, well, I enjoy the process. I, I enjoy the writing. So for me, that's that's part of it. Just stringing, you know, clever sentences together is, is fun just in itself. Um, and getting to kind of like uh, and, and reading and kind of like mining that that material for for content, I think is is also kind of enjoyable. Um, so like, do it? Do, is it compulsive that it has to come out? I don't know. but. Um, I think it's more like I see there's something missing. Like it may not be missing, but like to me, it's missing. Let's just put it that way. And then I'm sure that there's, there's got to be at least one other person who probably feels the same way. That there, there's some aspect of the the design that's missing, and um, and so that's what I try try to kind of get out there. Like that's the thing I want to concentrate on. Uh, dwarves and magic, like in DCC. Take that for instance. There's not dwarves and magic? Nope. You're a dwarf. You can do mighty deeds. You got a sword and and a weapon. Um, And that's it. I mean, there's some other stuff. But, like, there's not a caster. You know, you can't become a wizard dwarf. I guess you could. You could make it up. Well, Um, I think it comes down to, you know... (sighs) Because it really, I guess, once you start adding that kind of stuff, you're you're not. I don't know what Justice Goodman's intentions were, but you know, with I think advanced D D, you had that possibility. But going back, there was not that wasn't kind of like an archetype that right the dwarves are associated with. Right, right. You you played the dwarf who just had a suite of dwarven abilities, and that was it. Right, and so to say, like he does, he, he can cast magic or he can like let's take here's the thing right it's like you always think of the dwarf as making a magical weapon well how do they do that right like they have to be a caster that's what a place you can go in the analysis is say like well if, if the dwarves can't cast magic then how can they make magic weapons because all the mechanics around ma- making magic weapons say so you have to have enchant sword or or whatever in order to do the stuff and so how do you square those two things and, and maybe you know that's one way to do it say now they have to be casters but could you just kind of make up something different that supports um them being able to make magic weapons 
but not have it be in casters. And that's well, I, where I would tend to go that direction. Yeah. And say, I want to make some mechanics or some some way for for dwarves to explain why dwarves can make magical weapons, not make them into casters. Oh, right. Me too. Because it could just be that that there's something innate about them or their gods bless them in a certain way, or or yep. maybe maybe magic is maybe like folk magic less than like arcane magic. Right. We're like ritual in nature, right? Yeah, they're, exactly. They're not going to sit there and um, cast spells in a, in a few seconds. They're going to take months to right. draw this energy into the weapon. Right. It could be the, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the rituals or the prayers over the, during the entire process. Right. And the, the purity of the person doing it and their devotion to the god Hammerick or whatever. And their innate skill, right? And working the metal and like creating alloys and, 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 you know, drawing, you know, properties out of, out of just the material science of it all. That's magic, isn't it? Well, I think so. I, and I think what's happened, what is it to me, is like, there's a lot of, if, if magic was real and deities are real, there's a whole, and there's all these spells that are related to combat, there should be 10 times as many things that aren't related to combat. Right. Right. But we, there's no thought to that. No. Right. Sword magic spell, dwarves, ergo, dwarves must be magic users. Yeah. It's like, no. Have <laughs> you looked at RuneQuest? Oh, boy. No. Well, it's got to be a million years since I looked at RuneQuest. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm not well steeped in it, but the idea is it, it is like magic all around, but it's not a high fantasy. But it's only, it's like if you were to go to the, like, like, not using a pejorative way, but like the the pagan view of the world was real, and magic is kind of part of the world, but it's not high fantasy, right? You know, then it's like that's how that world operates. You know, the, the world is a disc. You know, right. it's like it's not, you know the, the, all these things. There is a god that that is the sun that you know that flies across, and you know things work because that's part of the way the world is. Right. Not like it's not observable to like the naked eye. Yeah. Right. But it's also part of the people, part of their life and the things that they do. It's it's not just a yeah. fireball, 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 right, you know, type thing. Yeah. They they believe in it deeply. Everybody Yes, because all the, the deities are real and and yes. it affects people's lives in a way that's you know, like the deities are well fleshed out. It's not simply just pick a random god. It's it's you're really tied to whatever deities you're tied to. Yeah, yeah, and it has implications. I feel like there's been a lot of really good Norse themed shows. You know, historical fiction shows where like these people are like deeply invested in like the the, the nature. You know, the the, the Norse gods and 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 curses and divination and all sorts of stuff. They believed in it and therefore it existed, but like, it's not observable. Like they're throwing stuff on the, on the ground or they're, you know, all these things issuing curses. Um, 
all sorts of superstitions. Uh, and and those are all still game mechanicable if you want them to be. Yeah, it's just they're not as flashy. I think it's because we came from a, a, the war game environment. Yes. Tolkien, right? Like, fan, you know, big fireballs. <laughs> you shall not pass. Yes. That's, it's exciting. That's our the fantasy heritage. So we got to lean into it, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of, you know, things like blights and, and uh, you know, cursing of crops and things that really impacts a kingdom. Those things really don't seem to really show up. I love that DCC puts them kind of like in there. Like they can be grown. Uh, but, you know, issuing curses is like a, a core part of the Appendix N reading. And it's in there. Right. Um, very prominently, right? Like, I don't think uh, maybe DCC takes advantage of it enough, you know, in, in the context of the modules, right? Like, yeah, I was reading, uh, a friend of mine was reading Jack Vance, and I guess somebody got, somebody provoked a wizard tell they got cursed, but they already had another curse. And apparently, when you have two curses, one casts off the other. So the whole <laughs> idea was to get the wizard to curse him so he can get himself rid of the other curse. <laughs> so, so i think if you can make curses both something that players don't want something that can be removed yes. but also then adventurable uh then you, that could be fun yeah it it was a lot of fun uh i worked on dying earth uh project for goodman games and say so they added a bunch of curses i got the right one or two i can't remember but that was a fun thing to kind of like get get into of that part of the game. It's like, okay, we need like a three, two curses or whatever it was they asked me, asked me to do. And so to kind of read up and research what was there, do more research, like kind of the world of curses and that kind of stuff. And then to write up some new ones in the DC, in the dying earth kind of milieu was a, a fun assignment. And I think it's uh, underutilized in, in some of the, yeah, I think too is like, I think there are some things that like you can do narratively, but like mechanically, like I think going back like the old school essentials, uh, going back to BX has the the reaction table. Mm. So as simple as just saying minus one to your reaction table um, may not be a big deal short term, but long term that could be something you're like, I need to get this off my. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's that's great. Yeah, you yeah, do that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of opportunities to, to do fun, interesting things, and it's kind of even looking at like sword and sorcery. You know, trying to look at magic differently. You know, it's it's um it's it's kind of challenging coming out in light of like D and D, where you want the magic to kind of have a different feel. I think D and D puts a lot of emphasis in having like this cohesive mechanical thing, right? Like it, it always, it, somehow the inputs always work the, I don't know, the same, you know what I mean? Saying like there's this overriding desire to have a ton of mechanics and then yeah. interleave them with each other. And then it becomes problematic when, when you start doing that. And um, I don't know where I was going with that, but that was like popped into my head D&D is like all these mechanics that are like kind of competing with each other and running into each other and, and basically causing a headache. 
Yeah, but I think the the thing is that they don't always narratively make sense, right? And they they don't really care about doing the same thing, meshing things in a in a in a way that narratively makes sense, right? And it, even going back to religion, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, a lot of the stuff just doesn't make sense. But I guess we were forgo that, and I think they also I think we're where Joseph Goodman went was to make magic more unpredictable. Yeah. Which I love. I love that. Yeah. And even if you don't use like DCC, I think that there's a lot to be plumbed out of that exercise of doing a spell in like 10 different boxes, right? You can always uh decompose those into spells in your own campaign right you can still make them vankian in the fact of the spell result is spell x which is just another flavor of this spectrum right of magic and they do that with like the easy example is invisibility in dcc translates out to like four or five different invisibility spells in dnd right it's like Invisibility, improved invisibility, mass invisibility, improved mass invisibility. Those are all in that one table. That one spell check table. Well, I was also thinking too, you know, through, you know, I've mentioned this podcast before, but like they'll, like you take the original, like I can't remember who did the comparison, but like take the original write up for the light spell. And then through each edition, they keep adding these, these restrictions to it because they're answering to, abuses yeah. that players were doing and the need to constrain it right you could do that likewise you could reverse that whole thing with each edition you know like you know until finally yes you can cast it in somebody's face and they are permanently blinded and you know until they you know <laughs> that's a really interesting idea like it, uh, decompose that into its own kind of like uh, um, higher level light spells right that are like yeah that, that's a cool idea i like that yeah. So, so, so it's not like you, so what sort of uh, projects do you, do you normally work on or what has been your, your direction? For Goodman games or just personally? Just in general. Just in general. Uh, I vacillate between uh, fantasy and, uh, and kind of like Cthulhu fantasy. I, I always like those two together. And then, um, and then, this kind of computer stuff. I've been writing a, a lot of support material for MCC around computers. So taking the spells from DCC and turning them into technological kind of programs, result checks still um, on that on that program table list, just like the MCC shaman might do, right? He activates a program. So doing that treatment of DCC spells as something that um, could be used in MCC or games like Cyber Sprawl Classics or Space Crawl or um, Crawl Jammer, all these you know third-party projects, which are all you know have computer kind of aspect to them. Uh, so so I split my time between fantasy and then like kind of computer topic, which is. Um, my my day job is I'm in in the computer software industry, architect, um, software architect, solution architect. So I've had a lot of many many years of 
of thinking about computers and on a, on a practical professional level to kind of bring into into gameplay. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. So uh, that kind of does explain in some ways the idea of uh, of you say the cyberpunk because it does kind of fit very adjacent to uh, to where you are at with me. There's there's no such interesting uh, <laughs> intersection of manufacturing and and uh, any sort of role playing uh, games. Yeah, I suppose that's true. There's not a lot of uh, construction or, or or manufacturing based role playing games. No. They make a fine setting for for some adventures, I'm sure. There must be a bird somewhere. <laughs> the dog? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, funny. I don't know what you'd do if you didn't hatch someone. I actually got a hold of one. But, oop, table's going up. Yeah, it's... Uh... There we go. Yeah, that was kind of crazy. Yeah, it's it's the, the, the and especially now with the um, with artificial intelligence being at the at the forefront with uh, with um, with the with uh, Mid Journey and with also with the ChatGPT, I'm sure that you know comes more into play now with uh, in people's minds. It's going to be a big shift. I don't know if it's a good one, but it's going to be a big shift. Oh, it is. It is. I think it. It is. I don't think it's going to be as uh, apocalyptical as people imagine, but it's definitely going to, I think, have uh, so definitely affect uh, people's jobs. Yeah, I mean, at this stage, I still consider it a bit of a parlor trick. The whole idea—it's not intelligence per se. No, it's a very clever um, and deep. A uh, set of data that it can kind of reference and and regurgitate, and that's that's not intelligence. That's just a program. Yeah, it's and I think I think there's going to be stuff where it's going to demonstrate itself to be very adept and very welcomed. And there's other areas it's it's going to probably fall flat. Right, no doubt. There's a lot of people. I think companies looking at saving money. Um, yeah, directly, but. I don't think it's going to that's going to start pan out like they want. No, I don't think it will. I mean it's already it's already apparent, right, that it's kind of not not what it's built to be. Like it can get you part the way there, uh but it it can fall victim uh to just you know, outright bad you know, misinformation synthesis. Yes, yeah, it's, and the thing is, it's so emphatic in presenting that that false synthesis as truth, right? It's like, yeah, there, there's, um, there's a lot to be done in the space. It's, it's it, it can't, it has to have a very, to be useful, it has to have a very strict and and almost kind of mechanical outcome. You know the output you want to be um, essentially mechanical. Like if you want to know someone has cancer or or something like that, right? Like that's a a mechanical thing. That's not an open to interpretation, right? Art and literature and 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 argument and rhetoric, those are subjective, and um, and and that's not where it's going to work out. So, like Prince, I work 
for a company, we have these these prints, and each of the prints has specification numbers, and we've got hundreds or thousands of specification numbers, but each print has a specified number, and and they can be a varying level of complexity covering from how brand identity goes to metallurgical uh, tolerancing to whatever. I can see where you take the chat GPT, have this limited data set yeah. and be able to ask it a common language, easy, normal uh, speaking level questions and have it be able to put spit stuff out without having to read through all this specifications and be able to just even give references where it got the information from. I can see that being superbly uh, welcome. I mean, it'd definitely be welcomed by everybody. Um, and I think I, I'm hoping that's where this does lead is, is being able to um, be able to search through sets of information, be able to sift through it and be able to provide solid answers. Less of that, more of that than less of write a book for me. Yeah. It's the got to be the worst, you know, use of the idea. Like, let's replace something that people will enjoy and let a computer do it. Yeah, I do know that I, for me, um, I have used, I do use, um, I've also, I've used Midjourney to drain it, to generate images to hand to artists to say, I want something like this. Mm. That's been helpful. But is it better than just going through Pinterest and doing the same thing? I don't know. It's, it's funny because even like, it's changing even like free free royalty free art website right in in that you almost distrust whatever's in there now you don't know if it was just generated by a, a prompt prompter or if it was actually created by a person i think it's kind of left utilizing some of those services as like um you know you don't want to touch it i'm pretty sure there's a a not highly well-known, but a kind of well-known artist RPG circles putting out a project. I started looking at it and I'm, I'm pretty certain that uh, he was using uh chat GPT um, just because there's all those weird artifacts of like all around that were not cleaned up. And it's just like, it, it, that's where it's becoming difficult. So um it's definitely not going there. Definitely not going there. And looking at and looking at it also, uh, you know, looking at I've even have um, put out art uh, requests through Upwork, and um, people have I said, hey, I'm, I got this much budget. I'm looking for this kind of project. I've had artists send me uh, very definite. <laughs> Uh, doing some banking for 4-H. <laughs> the, uh, he, the, um, he used Jet GPT article or generated images, submitted them and said, these are Chat GPT, but I can do something like this. Just pick which Chat GPT image you want and I'll do something like that. I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> Is that your portfolio? Is Chat GPT stuff you generated off some prompts that I could just done myself? It's like, I don't. Yeah, that's it. It's muddy in the water everywhere, isn't it? It like, is. The whole presence of generative AI is just making it harder to to pull together 
a project. Yeah, and I saw somebody had also posted something once on Facebook as an image of a comic book character, and people were thumbs upping it and all excited about it. And I, I started looking at it. It's like this is a really bad mid-journey image. And and there's so many telltale signs, but I thought, you know what? Most people just can't tell the difference, even if it's obvious that this is, you know, from multiple ways, this is not, you know, an actual person doing it, but I don't know. I'm hoping we'll kind of wake up. I don't know. I think it's going to, I think there's going to be, I think what's going to happen is I think it's still going to be a combination of things. I think, I, I think what will happen is I think in some ways uh, regular artists are going to be utilizing it, but maybe not necessarily to direct, do images directly. But there probably will get to be a point where they will start using it for references, right, and for certain portions inside their uh, in their images, right. I can see that. Like reference material is always an important, you know, component of 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 doing art. Right, you you want a, a model to work off of, for instance, right? So, yeah, and maybe something like a, a flock of birds in the distance, and if you want, to, and it's just a small amount of visual imagery, but you want something like that, that'd be probably very easy for, you know, for, for doing a transparent background, and for yeah. AI to generate something like that. I don't know. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I I, I can't. I guess it means I think in, maybe in the short term it, it means you you've got to really keep your friends close, you know, your art friends close, and and keep giving them work. Um, well, there's a because, fellow who you know that there's a fellow who hired an artist, hired an artist, and and the person used um, AI to generate the art, even though the guy said he didn't, and people start calling out this guy who's just a small time novelist calling it out and he's like no 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 and finally the guy admitted yeah he was using uh an ai art the whole time for that cover and it was just wow. such a mess yeah yeah keep your keep your relationships with your artists strong like, <laughs> i like i'm glad you know that i've been doing this a while and i have people i can go to who i know you know what they're capable of and what they're how they can the timelines they execute on all sorts of stuff i really hate to be starting out right now and trying to navigate this minefield well you working with goodman as close as you have that does provide you a, a lot of contacts and and but i'll tell you coming my from my direction it's been very it's been more challenging uh i could see that I think it gets back to this what we were talking about earlier, like like we're a community, right, of publishers, and if we're not like talking to each other, um, on just you know the the aspirate, you know the the production kind of parts of of doing this, um, you're just you're putting yourself at a bit of a disadvantage, right? Like because you don't have maybe as big as a artist pool to draw off of, and you're just trying to find your artist. And so I think it gets back to this an excellent point you made that like we have to kind of you know get out of the shells a little bit and talk to each other and share resources. Well, what I was also finding is uh especially what's very affordable is a lot of the um stock art that not stock art, but yeah, it's like stock art you can buy from uh 
from various artists. But what I've been finding is that other people use those same artists and yes. then it starts becoming very like, <laughs> yes, I've seen this one before. I think I've got one of the covers. I pulled this uh, out of stock art, um, like a stock, like Shutterstock or something like that. But I've seen that on literally, I don't know, four or five different covers. Um, I did a lot of like re recoloring and like, and, and, and retouching of mine. Mine's in a different color scheme, but I've seen the same uh, like cyber cyber skeleton with like a yellow background and um, kind of a kind of a greenish skull or I can't remember and like red red wires. But I've seen that literally. I don't even know on how many books, like five or six books. And then I've used it on mine, but I mean I changed the colors, but that's about all I I could really do with the. Yeah, it's it's definitely very challenging, and and, and I'm I'm thankful for for people that have you know gotten to the point where they're that successful. And, but I was mentioning my podcast right for Gary's Appendix One. I used Peculiar uh, um, Ruins for a cover, worked out great, and then then was it maybe a couple months later I saw someone else doing a zine using that same image for a cover, and it was like. Mm. I'll never ever do that again. <laughs> do not use stock art for your cover. It's like unless you can make a, a, adjustments because you have no control over who else does the same thing. Right. No doubt. Um, yeah, you're you're quite right. Like there, and it's expensive to commission a cover. Eat, yes, it is. It's going to start at like five hundred bucks, four hundred, five hundred bucks. Yeah, I've I've been able to get between between. Uh, it varies between 200 and 500. Yeah. I feel like that's about the same. It just depends on who's doing it. I've also found that people who are, who are, if you go through Upwork and get people that are like um, professional artists, when I say professional artists, I mean people that make their living off of the art rather than doing it as a side. Those people, at least my small experience, they are, they have quick turnarounds. Uh, they're pretty on the ball. Cause that's, you know, they're incentivized. Yeah. Um, yeah, going back to the DCC hookups, it's nice to be able to get Doug Kovacs to do a cover or, or <laughs> Stephen, Stephen Poag to do a cover. Oh, or, yeah, yeah, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, they they have defined the as, as far as I can tell, as an as outsider, they've really kind of defined the whole vibe of, I think, the I know their art's not the entirety, but they definitely have, have helped to create that weird vibe. Yeah, it's a that's part of the signature, right, of the books. It's like yeah. you see, um, you know, a handful of artists right on that cover, and uh, and and they're and they're great. Every every single one is like, kind of, you know, they're all nice, amazing pieces. Yeah, and I think it's kind of going back to you know, and their system matches. I think D and D had a lot of different artists, but the art didn't necessarily match the game. Mm-hmm. So like. Uh, Errol Otis, I think, is my favorite artist, but none of those, the the D and D systems actually match the the feeling of Errol Otis's artwork. No, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a game I want to play. Yeah, I'm wondering. Um, uh, he did a bunch of the DCC Dying Earth uh, covers for these modules. He even wrote one. Um, so I'm uh curious to see. I think I've gotten to play a couple of them. 
out of the release. And they're, you know, I think maybe they match. Yeah, it, and I think definitely with, you know, it, it seems like DCC with the mechanics has decided to 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 lean into more of the unpredictable and and the odd. Yes. Yes. Rather, yes. rather than the Larry Elmore covers of, you know, of high fantasy. For for real. Yeah. It's definitely like weird weird fantasy, sci-fi fantasy. And things can go really well or things can go really bad. Yeah. Go any direction. So when you play the magic users, because I know that you can, as you, you roll that D20 and you add those numbers and you can kind of go up in categories of spell. Yeah. It sounds like some people play it kind of soft where you can choose as a cat, as a person playing the caster, you can choose any level up to the point where you roll. But I think some have also stated it's, it's what you roll is what you get. Yeah. Usually unless the spell rule you know rules is written or whatever unless the spell specifies you can take a lower result you generally are stuck where you are you could go up by spending luck um i don't think i've ever heard anyone say although i wouldn't i wouldn't i wouldn't kick them out of the table if they said i want to use luck to go down um but in theory you know that's just a, a, a table ruling at that point but Rules is written. It's like the 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 role is the role. It can go up with luck. It can, if it says it can go down, you can pick a lower result. You can do it. There's also a material magic effect that will let you pick the spell check result. I like the idea of when the mage is ready to cast a spell, everybody just flees. <laughs> In a game where the, the caster like, yeah, you know, he wanted a high result and he put he put he put some points in it and then yeah. Like, Rolled a natural twenty. Yeah, but so went straight to the end of the table, and it was like it was Armageddon. Yeah, well, the Armageddon killed him. It killed him. Boom. That's the kind of game I want to play in. Yeah. I think it was it was a patron invoke patron. So the patron like blew up all the people, and then like blew him up too, or something like that. And it's like I'm sorry. <laughs> See, to me, that's fun. It's fun yes. because it, it's it is a is there is a bit of you know, if you look at just the gaming, there's a mini game there. You're, it's a push your luck mechanic, and those push your luck mechanics are so they can be so very, very, very fun if you get the right yes. table. Yes, yes. I mean, everybody's like you know dying, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is a GM you can you can prompt them on like, you know, this is the boss. You may want to burn some more points, or it's up to you. But <laughs> just saying, that mini game. Going yeah. back, it's a mini game. It's yeah. so mini game. There's nothing wrong with this. The chaos. Uh, Embrace that chaos. Uh, press your luck. Uh, stat spending mini game. Yeah, and I think that's definitely. I don't. I don't know where he came up with that idea, but I think it's definitely been a, a genius, uh, genius move. It it makes for a lot of fun at a table. It's way way more exciting to cast magic missile uh, at a DCC table than to cast it at at a D and D table. Yes. Yeah. And it's fun is when you, when you can make a role and everybody's looking like it's like everybody has their attention and they're invested in the outcome of that role. Exactly. Everybody's just baited, you know, the hanging on you know, breaths are, are being held and seeing what comes down. And yeah, is it going to fizzle? Or are you going to take out the entire group or is it somewhere in between? We don't know. And you read off that spell result, and everyone's just like, "Yes." 
that, that's pretty cool. So, um, so how long have you been working for for uh, for uh, Goodman Games or doing freelance work? How long? Yeah, uh, I think I think the first project that was brought in for it was Dying Earth. So that was like the end of uh, was it the end of twenty two? I think um, they they reached out to me and said, "Hey, we got some extra stuff we need to do for Dying Earth. You wanna you wanna write up some spells and some curses and and whatever." And and so that's when it started. I've been you know doing third party publishing and and you know putting stuff out every year, a few books every year. So I was I was thrilled to to get you know invited in inside the the free the freelancer circle or whatever. Um, and it's been you know worked on Dungeon Denizens. I've worked on Dying Earth. I've worked on. Um, uh, the the tournament the dying earth tournament that's going to be at gen con i wrote part of that um and then some other stuff i can't talk about yes. but the work kind of kind of keeps rolling in on you know kind of a every three months or so something comes up that they're they kind of ask you for some extra extra work for um it's been a lot of fun i'm just going it goes to show that if you're producing stuff on a regular basis and you're producing decent quality, uh, people can notice, and then that can start creating opportunities to if you if it's your desire to work for for another company or do freelance work, yeah, it does true. open up doors. And I think another kind of variable on all that, and I said it earlier, is asking like, "Hey, I want to write for you guys." You know, that was part of it too. I got turned down a couple times, or like, "Yeah, okay, you know, cool." And it, it just didn't come until you know much later. Well, you think about these people, uh, I'm sure they lead very busy lives. There's a lot going on. And then, you know, when you may ask, they really don't need anybody. But if you happen to ask at a point of desperation, yeah. it's like we just had an artist flake or a writer flake out or, you know, whatever. All of a sudden, we just need an extra, you know, 20,000 words. Uh, yeah, you know, and everybody else is tapped out. Like, yeah. and you come say, "Hey, can I do it?" You're like, "Sure." It's like, yes, <laughs> this you've you've hit us at the right time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then that's your opportunity to produce. And then if you do a decent job, then they and you provide it on time, then they're happy, and they'll they'll ask you again. That's very true. That is very true. I think uh, you know if you look at the past couple of years, their kind of production schedule and the stuff they're putting out, it's been big projects. A lot of big projects, OAR, you know, two OAR editions, you know, um, you know, Janelle Chakwe's stuff, and and then their the Dying Earth project, and and now X Crawl is coming out, and the the Dungeon Denizens project was all you know in the works, and so they got like every writer that's that's you know making writing the adventures, are are writing the the books, the supplements, all this other stuff. They're those dudes are working hard. You know, yeah, that they have are all probably at capacity. Yeah, it's it's definitely uh, you start dealing with those large projects. I can just imagine. I mean, my stuff's pretty small in scale, and uh, it takes a fair amount of energy to, to keep things going. But when you start dealing with with the other, there's there's uh, there's a lot more on the line, and it's much more complex, especially when you're dealing with mechanics um, rather than just writing, you know, just stuff that's narrative in nature. Right. 
I think there, another interesting part of kind of making this transition is like you get asked to do stuff that, um, you know, it's not it's not in your wheel wheelhouse or it's not in your it's not your passion or all sorts. Of, you're getting an assignment, right? Right. And and that's I haven't been ruminating over it for the past six months, right? And I want to get it out on paper. It's like now it's like you know perform, right on command this assignment, which is totally different. Than DIY. You're right, and it's and that way it becomes, I guess, somebody's like a job, and it's it's kind of like as a kid, it's like hard to find excitement of doing stuff. But yeah, to, to get a paycheck, you gotta do stuff you don't like, and you gotta produce, and you gotta learn to turn it on, right? Right. Like they asked me to do a manse uh, for for dying earth, and I was like, I've never done that, and I haven't been thinking about it for the past six months, so this is going to be hard. So you did a manse? I did one of the manses, one of the three manses. One of them's mine. Oh, that's fun. So what, what do you put in a manse? What is hard about a manse? Uh, it's just like uh, if you think about dying earth, right? All these magicians have these kind of outre, strange uh, places that they live in, like these geometric glass or um, you know, strange towers or or things that can, like the spaceships that kind of go into space and and so to kind of get into that level of it's not just a wizard tower, it's a dying earth wizard's tower, which could be all sorts of fantastical, you know, to kind of hit that 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 tonal quality that lives up to like a dying earth um a magician's abode is like a little different than make me a wizard tower. Right. You're dealing with vans here. I'm not. I'm not. I've read some vans, but I've never read any Dying Earth. Oh, uh, I, I that's definitely a favorite series. I also like the um, uh, was it um, the Green Pearl series or whatever. Um, Lioness. Yes, that one's one of my favorites too. Yeah, I need to. I need to rectify that. So, so. Uh, so once you you've written up the manse, you're done. Was there a feeling of liberation, maybe even emancipation? Ooh, it was fun. I mean, that was a, a great project to kind of get thrusted on yourself, onto onto me, and, and like I was happy with what what I turned out. That was fun. Um, obviously, they did too. So it's in the book. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of interesting that you know how they break things up with the number of people but i think it makes sense um I, I, I guess as long as you have a strong editors in place uh you can keep the tone the same i'd be kind of yeah. concerned about that yeah that's that's true um but even the core team is like three two or three people maybe more uh for that core team um so they had to they already knew the the problem in a sense of 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 having multiple authors all playing in the same book. Um, I think, I don't know, the Kickstarter exclusive box set, which is, you know, where all my work went into. I, I think I did see some tonal differences or even some stat box differences. Um, so it, it, you're right. It's something that's hard to do is to have, have that many people on a, a product and keep it all all together. 
Yeah, it's just it's just uh I think unless you have somebody so unless you have somebody rewriting all of it, which is possible. Uh my say rewriting, I mean like heavily going through and, and doing it. I don't know how you would do that unless you just had people that were fairly similar to begin with. Yeah, I don't know if if uh part of it is choo- you know, choosing the right people to i don't know if it's a, a component that i thought of i wasn't inside the decisions but like i had read the books in love with the books in love with jack vance and so being able to like given a project where it's like you're carrying on this legacy you know, his legacy of the stuff he wrote um was a, a treat because you get to use all the big words you know right yeah you get to be loquacious and, and whatnot uh, in your text. So uh, for me, it was like, you know, yay, hooray. I get to use all sorts of crazy words. And um, and I'm, I hope other, you know, other people have gotten tapped, I'm sure, to, to, must have taken the same, you know, approaches, right? There's got to be some some joy in, in getting asked to do a project like that. Yeah, I'm sure. And I think it, it's it's kind of interesting too. I'm not sure if the I don't know if the stuff had to get reviewed by the um by the like advances estate or what. Yeah, that's interesting. I know that like my work is goes to the developer or lead, you know, who looks at it, gives me notes back, I make my changes. And then usually that's the end. They go, okay, it looks good. Um it could go back for another round of revisions conceptually. Um, but I wonder, I think the advanced estate too uh, is assured their place kind of in the, the, the legacy of science fiction and, and, and fantasy. And, you know, the fact that they had, you know, the songs of the dying earth, which is a bunch of authors, you know, science fiction authors writing stories set in the dying earth. Um, and some are more successful than others that kind of evoking Vance or the, or the setting, I should say. Um, I think they, I think they're comfortable. What I'm trying to say is sharing what, what he created with people. Yeah. And sometimes they go through a review and probably yeah. depends on whatever property it is. Like friends, if you're, if you are, I would imagine that if you were to, the property was to be taken from Marvel or from Disney, yeah, the scrutiny would be be he it would be high it would be who you're using how you're using them right you know and maybe not the full level of check like with maybe comic books and other things but i'm sure that there's there's going to be um, a lot more intervention with people for good or for ill and maybe maybe beneficial like they provide you guidance too so right yeah you have to think of something like a huge ip like that that there, there's like a different level to engage with that whereas jack fans is a writer and and not everybody's even read him maybe and the stages is just as long as you write me a check i don't really care too much <laughs> maybe although you know you can't hear those horror stories from um uh from some writers like the, the state of clark ashton smith they're like kind of down on any rpg kind of representations of of his work because they've kind of been stung by bad you know, bad agreements that have kind of gone south or whatever. So I think it's a case by case basis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it's just probably you know what what are they really wanting 
um, you know, like the Tolkien estate, they're, they're probably, you know, consider themselves, you know, level of scripture. And, yes. you know, you do. Yes. Of course, they went, they did allow the Hobbit. So I'm not sure how that works out. But anyway, uh, <laughs> and so it just, it probably goes along like a lot of things. It's just, <clears throat> that is interesting to, to work with intellectual property that's, that's, um, that's not your own. Uh, I know another fellow who, 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 who bought an intellectual, well, he, he uh, licensed the um, comic book property. And it's just kind of interesting what he did and went through and it, it worked, it's worked out well so far. So, but it was, it was, a, it was not a, a major player as far as comic book. Uh, it was, right. but, right. Um, but there, you know, it's, it's, he got access to art. So, you know, if you think about it, like sometimes if you go to the right IP, you also get the art, which is could be a huge. I don't say cost savings, but it does help mitigate. You're paying more for one thing, but you're also, you know, especially since it's a comic book characters, right? Uh, he's able to utilize all the art. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've never, I've never kind of gotten into that space. I mean, that'd be that'd be interesting to give it a go. I know uh, a friend of mine was like trying to make a play for something, maybe Thundar or something. Good luck. That'd be cool. I think if you yeah. could do that, you would, you would, everybody would be buying it. Yes, of course. Yeah. Everybody our age would be buying it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I've never had the desire, I don't think, at this point. Hey, what? I haven't had the desire to like a burning desire to go out and get something, you know, license something, I should say. Yeah. Cause I think what's going to happen is you are either, you're either going to have to go with something that is, um, got an srd um the or a, a um a, an open ip or not that you can use the mechanics or you're yeah. going to have to um um or, or that srd and an ogl yeah or you're going to develop your own system or something in between yeah and that's not always conducive for where it is you're wanting to do and i don't know what series i would want to use or would would want like I try to think what property if I could have anything mm. if I could have any if if any if I could have any intellectual property to run as to to create an RPG it would be the Micronauts put out Ooh. by Marvel. Oh, nice! That would be what I would pick, but it's impossible because Marvel owns you know a quarter of the characters and Hasbro owns the toys, so it's like you know it's impossible. You can't have Baron Carza. You can't have Force Commander. You know, yeah. But you can have Commander Ran and Marionette and Bug. But it's like, I don't know. I think what would I pick? Maybe, maybe G Force. Remember that one with the Phoenix? Ship? No, I've never watched G Force. It's like a, you know, Japanimation, uh, uh, kind of like. Uh, Voltron in a way, like five five people, you know, running this thing, and then it's a spaceship that can turn into a fiery phoenix. I don't know. It's like the same same story uh, told a million different times in Japanimation. <laughs> Just one of the first ones that I ran into. Oh yeah, it was G Force. Oh, I know a good one, uh, Johnny Quest. That'd be a great one. Ooh. Oh, that it makes me think now of um, that. Uh, uh, the the Cartoon Network one, where where 
there it's a takeoff of Johnny Quest or whatever. What was that series? I'm not I've seen it. Oh, gonna kill me now. Uh it's 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 a satire of Johnny Quest. Oh really? Yes. Because it's like it's you know Adult Swim uh, version of of Johnny Quest. It's it's hilarious. They just did a movie for it, I think. But the villains yeah. are preposterous, and the, everything is is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, no, I have to I have to check that out. No, I'm not not seeing that. But I, but other than that, I don't know. It, it's hard because I think that most of those most of the intellectual properties that are developed, uh, a lot of times I think it's like it's hard to to have activities of players outside of whatever the activities of that one character is doing it's not right metalocalypse that'd be a great series too i'm not seeing that that's hilarious death metal band or like a nordic death metal band um and they just have all sorts of they're idiots um incompetent and they do all sorts of dumb things a satire i think i just picked some sort of satirical <laughs> um, cartoon series satire the game the rpg yes <laughs> yeah i think we've uh, we've reached peak uh, rpg uh design ideas at this moment so uh we're probably at the point of uh, hitting the time space continuum james no doubt i think we have to leave it there at metalocalypse we uh, do we do metalocalypse i don't i don't think we can improve upon that no you thought that I, did, I thought I only would never write any systems. Now I have to write two. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, oh, man. it's been a lot of fun. Hey, I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. Um, and um, and once you're, um, let me know once Netcrawl actually, uh, once you're getting closer to launch. Yes, I will definitely do that. I'll even mail you out like uh, some beta copy here soon. Oh, awesome. To have a gander at it in print. Awesome. Well, thanks again, James, and, uh, and, and good luck with uh, getting through your net crawl. Amen. Thanks. It'd be one system at a time. <laughs>